Welcome back, lords, ladies, and lovelies, to Black Girl Tea Party. My name is Yasmeen Hill. And I'm Aaliyah Dorsey. First up, let's get right into the brew. Yasmeen, what is brewing for you this week? Well, for me this week, I my brew is right in line with the topic of our episode. I wanted to talk for a second about the pop culture sort of controversy going on between Candace Owens and Cardi B. Um, <sighs> sorry, I had to take a pause because I have a lot of thoughts on Candace Owens and I'm trying to think about how to phrase this in a way that is eloquent but also disrespectful so (laughs) I yeah so if you didn't know the Grammys were this past weekend uh, where Cardi B performed WAP with Megan Thee Stallion for the first time live and Candace Owens was not happy with the performance or with the song at all and she appeared on None other than Tucker Carlson's show where she criticized the performance and um, personally held Cardi B responsible for poisoning the minds of our children. And it... I feel like we've talked about this before. Um, Just the idea of like shaming women for engaging in like liberatory acts and i think the exact the exact language that candace uses is that cardi b is poisoning the minds of our youth by packaging her image as empowerment and i don't think it is being packaged like that we've talked about like the radical nature of engaging in um fashion sexuality and music specifically for black women and women of color and why like owning your body or centering your sexual desire or centering your pleasure when it comes to sex is like a radical idea especially for black women so I don't think anything is being like packaged as empowerment I think it is inherently political what's happening but also I think There's been a lot of controversy around the song in general, specifically like because of the lyrics. And we've talked about this before. Um, There's nothing groundbreaking about the song in terms of the lyrics, right? We've all heard um, plenty of songs, rap, country, blues, jazz, um, all these different sort of genres that talk about sex pretty explicitly pop music even does it too like it is not a new thing to talk explicitly about sex and I think it's very telling when black women are held to really high standards when they do that I don't know why the burden is put on these two black women for educating all of America's youth when we've had decades and decades and genres and genres of and what are we 90 something grammy award shows where male artists white female artists and other artists aren't held to the same standard of um poisoning our youth ariana grande has a song that's literally called 69 like 34 plus 35 like it is code for 69 which like there is not a way to read that as being like not sexual and she it's not about whether you like ariana grande or not it's she's not held to like the same standard of um 
corrupting youth. And you could argue that her fan base is younger than that of Meg Thee Stallion and Cardi B. And even talking about like their fan base, Cardi B does not make music for children. The Grammys are not for children. The target demographic of the Grammys is not 10 year old kids. And like, I definitely think the if you don't want your kid to be consuming sex, then like, make sure they're not doing that. I don't know. I don't think the responsibility is on Cardi B specifically to make sure your kid is not watching or something that is sexual. Um, And then really quickly, I wanted to talk about how it, this is still in the realm of the Grammys. It is also not lost on me the hate that Meg Thee Stallion is getting. And maybe I'm just biased because I enjoy her personality and I enjoy like her figure in uh, mainstream music as it stands. But it is very loud what is happening in terms of like people saying that she doesn't deserve these Grammy wins or that like it's rigged in some way because like she is like getting such grand success in the beginning of her career and it's just really interesting to me that y'all think that black women's success has to come at like oh well she only got this because she's black or they only gave this to them because it's women's history month that's a real comment that i saw that there were so many women uh, there were so many um women winners at the Grammys because it's Women's History Month and this is all like some sort of like liberal ploy. I don't think that that's true. Um, I don't think that that really has any ground or backing. But just like that logic of like, I'm unhappy with these black women being successful. So therefore I have to frame it as if their success is like tethered to their blackness in some way. And that was a long brew, but I had to I had to pour it out. They were really getting me this week. No, they really they really they really were trying it in the streets. But Aaliyah, what is brewing for you this week? Oh my gosh. I I have um I have a couple I have a couple of things um that are uh brewing brewing for me this week. So firstly, okay, I'm gonna start off with the really the really uh bad thing and then I'm gonna end on a good note. So what is brewing for me is that um recently so I wanna talk about the Catholic Church, um, and that according to the AP, the Vatican declared on Monday that the Catholic Church won't bless same-sex unions since God, since and and they quote, God cannot bless sin. Um, and it added that the blessing of same-sex union would give the impression of a sort of sacramental equivalence to marriage, and that that would be erroneous and misleading. Um, and so, like, obviously, um, this was, like, a huge blow to uh queer people this week but also like a huge blow to just like people who are queer and catholic um and those things just i don't know this just really like hurt a whole lot and like i the reason why it hurts me a lot personally is because like i up until this point i've spent all of my education in catholic school um and so like i'm really really familiar with the doctrines especially those around like queer people um and i i grew up in a lot of environments that were really homophobic um and you know and i'm still like working through 
a lot of stuff from having grown up in um, those environments. And so, but like, the reason why this hurts a lot for me personally is because I had friends who were queer and Catholic. And I remember when Pope Francis first became Pope, there was like this sense of hope, you know, that he would be a different kind of Pope, you know, and I believe there was an article um, written about him or like some quotes that were going around about from him in like 2015, 2016, where he was saying that like who was he to judge queer people right which is like you know not a lot but it is like revolutionary when you've spent so much of your life thinking that both like god hates you and like the institution that you believe in also like hates you for things that you cannot and frankly should never have to change about yourselves and so like when like when he said phrases like that, we were thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, like, maybe, maybe, like, we'll be getting something, right? And then this news comes out this week, and it just feels like several steps backwards, you know? It's like, Pope Francis is willing to admit that queer people are people, but not willing to give queer people any semblance of rights or like welcome within a church environment um so the article goes on to talk about um it says francis uh bernardo an executive director of new ways ministry which advocates for greater greater acceptance of gay people in the church predicted that the vatican position would be ignored including by some catholic clergy um he says Catholic people recognize the holiness of the love between committed same-sex couples and recognize this love as divinely inspired and divinely supported and thus meets the standard to be blessed, um, is what he said in a statement to the AP. Um, and the article goes on to say that the Vatican holds that gay people must be treated with dignity and respect, but that gay sex is intrinsically disordered, which is a direct quote. Um, Catholic teaching says that marriage is a lifelong union between a man and a woman is part of God's plan is intended for the sake of creating new life. Francis, uh, Pope Francis has endorsed providing gay couples with legal protections in same-sex unions, but that was in reference to the civil sphere, not within the church. Those comments were made during a 2019 interview with a Mexican broadcaster, Televisa, but were censored by the Vatican until they appeared in a documentary last year. Um, and so, I don't know. I just, I read that quote calling, um, especially like, okay, First of all, this is homophobic on the level of like equating gay relationships to sexual relationships because not every like queer relationship involves sex. Um, that is just homophobic in nature to begin with. But also like I think I remember I remember like distinctly reading this article and crying at the phrase intrinsically disordered because like I remember being 10 years old and having to go through. I don't I don't know if anyone who's been to Catholic school will like listen to this. But if you remember a program called Family Life and if you had that program at your school where like it just told you about how to be a quote unquote like good or moral person. And there was a page in the book that like it like listed off like essentially like sexual sins uh that included like abortion and masturbation and but also like homosexuality was in that list and that word was like next to it and I don't know it always feels just a little triggering to me to hear anyone talk about queer people as being intrinsically disordered like I just 
I don't know, like the amount of shame that my that I've had friends of mine have to unlearn from being in these environments is just astronomical. And when I read this article, I just felt so deeply broken because I remember being like in queer communities with people and this being the rhetoric that we all have to endure. And to read this article was just so deeply hurtful. Um, I'm I'm crying right now. Like it just, it's just really angering and it's hurtful. And if any queer person or any like, especially if you are queer and religious, but especially if you are queer and Catholic, like I, I want you to understand that like who you are is divinely ordained and who you are is like it is holy and it is worthy of being blessed and there is nothing disordered about that and there never has been and there never will be and i and i just wanna i wanna send you out like all of the love and the grace of the god of the god that you serve because that is what you deserve and the like bs that is coming from the vatican right now is not what you deserve in the least bit so that's my two cents on that issue um i think it's i just think it's you know horrific for all the reasons mentioned and i think queer people but especially queer catholics deserve so much better than what they're being given um on a happier note uh bruno mars and anderson packer in a band called silk sonic and it is their first single that they just released called leave the door open is incredible it's iconic i've been streaming it nonstop all week um i think you all out there in the world should stream it because it's chef's kiss um it's an it's 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 a sexy song now it just is but it's smooth and it makes you feel real good and honestly honestly after reading this news i i needed a song like that i needed a song that's gonna make me feel good and leave the door open by silk sonic does that and i cannot wait to hear what anderson pack and bruno mars do with this new band i i think they're gonna give us a really great things i can't wait for them to release an album or an ep because i'll i'll stream the heck out of that so um and with that it's time for tea this week we'll be talking about the hot button issue of cancel culture and its effects on our world both in the digital space and in our everyday lives start i think we have to begin with some definitions According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, cancel culture is the practice or tendency of engaging in mass canceling as a way of expressing disapproval and exerting social pressure. So we can think about the things and people that have been hashtag canceled recently, like pinning out the disco's Brendan Neary for allegations of sexual assault by his bodyguard and by Yuri himself, um, and also PewDiePie for racism and anti-Semitism and shows like South Park for the all of it and Bon Appetit and shows like Bon Appetit for racism and also authors like J.K. Rowling for the racism, anti-Semitism and transphobia. And so now we have to assess, now that we know what canceling is, we have to assess what that means practically. And I think we can start to think about the reasons why we cancel things yeah the definition says exerting 
expressing disapproval or exerting social pressure and I'm not even really sure about that one because I mean I definitely think there's like a bandwagon effect of um sort of like the machine that comes when you get hashtag canceled right um but I think it's also really sort of flat or not fully developed to just attribute cancel culture to the digital age um right and we have like all these examples that you listed out of how people in this decade or even within what I think most of this was in like the last five to eight years but I just don't think that that is like the like Twitter is not the start of people getting canceled like the white majority has been canceling things in theory for generations and the mediated space that we have now provides like agency in which like we can uh like groups can express concerns or issues because like there is a level of safety that comes like with that separation so I don't think it's like oh we get social media apps and now everyone is like going apeshit and canceling people. I think the idea of society being against certain things or for certain things is a trend that is like very clear throughout our history. And media plays a big part in that. Um, But I don't think like the era of canceling people starts and ends with um, like with the creation of the internet in the 90s. Oh, yeah. No, like, I, I I, feel very similarly. Because, like, okay, like, here's the deal. Like, the internet, like, I think, like you said, cancels things because I think people want to feel a sense of power where people have traditionally felt powerless. Because also, the things that we cancel are usually for things like racism or anti-Semitism or homophobia or transphobia or ableism. And it's like those are things that should be canceled you know those are not things that we should be engaging in i think it's also because we are in a space what that means is like we are in a space now where like there are not going to be as many repercussions for like calling out really like shitty things in the media you know and that and also it's kind of like you can educate people through that process of like why this is bad and why these things shouldn't happen um and like my main issue with thinking of cancel culture as like a witch hunt is that like you know like these witch hunts are usually for good reasons well first of all witch hunt isn't even a phrase i really want to use but like people cancel things for good reasons you know and like usually for like really really serious topics you know but also the people who have claimed um to cancel are doing actually really fine according to vox quote bon appetit's editor-in-chief resigned after he was caught opposing in brownface but the company has uh, forged past the blowback with a new executive director who is both a woman of color and a former employee of vox media um so it's like even we we can see that um the the hashtag really can only go so far 
Um, according to Insider, PewDiePie is back on YouTube and doing fairly regular uploads after taking a month-long break last year. Brendan Urie is still making music and he streams on Twitch regularly. Also, most of the people who called him out have deleted their tweets since then. Um, and so... Yeah, when I was looking for the episode, I couldn't verify a lot of the allegations, whether or not the tweets were faked or not, because like literally so many accounts don't exist anymore, probably due to online bullying from people who thought that these potential um, alleged victims were uh, faking it. So probably due to bullying is why they're not there anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely instances where if a person is getting canceled, they lose like endorsements or sponsorships um, and part of their platform. But that is the price. If you're if you have like such a wide reach at the point where you're influencing all of these people and you're spouting off racist, ableist, homophobic, um, transphobic rhetoric, then, yeah, you should not. Like, there becomes an issue where it can get really dangerous if you're just um, consistently getting lifted up and uh, propped up and paid for that um, language. Yeah, no, like, exactly. You know? And, like, like we said, homegirl, homegirl J.K. Rowling is still making money. Like... Harry Potter words, Harry Potter, Harry Potter world still exists. I think she's like, she has like a new video game coming out very soon. Um, I think the books, Harry Potter, um, are from the series are still going to go down the English canon. South Park is still on air and South Park has been tried. People have been trying to kill South Park for like years, <laughs> for years. People have been trying to kill South Park and they cannot do it because South Park still makes Comedy Central money. So I think. Also, we have to think that, like, we have to realize that, like, cancel culture is not a modern problem. And then it's been in our lives and our consciousness for a long time. Um, let's think about, we can think about, okay, we can think about several instances where the American public wanted to can, uh, cancel something or just wanted something just to not happen anymore. Like, let's think of the entirety of the banned book list the entirety of it okay um and we'll link um a place to look at like frequently banned or challenged books but the first banned book in america was the new english canon published in 1637 by thomas morton and in the book morton like critiqued and attacked puritan customs so harshly that even the more progressive new english settlers disapproved of it and this is what we we would consider cancel culture today, my dudes. Like the Puritans didn't like what he was writing, and so they wanted to, people. They wanted people to stop reading it, and they exiled Morton, you know, from their community. And so I think we can see the semblances of cancel culture even in the past, especially when we think about like things like the things that we have moral panics over, such as like rock and emo subcultures being um, blamed for. Uh, teenagers wanting to kill themselves like that was a huge moral panic for a very long time and also like it has largely been proven to be untrue that that's not um a factor in teen suicide but like we still took Ozzy Osbourne to court and many other rock stars like him um for their music anyway um even though their music was honestly largely harmless and 
kids listen to things to make their parents upset, but also things that like talk about the kind of pain of being a teenager. Like, you know, like that, that's, that's what was happening there. But we've, we've done it again and again, and we will continue to do it because we, we want to get rid of things that we think the public shouldn't see because that's how like culture works is that a culture decides what is acceptable for it and what isn't. And so the issue that like I that I bring these uh, examples up for is because like we think that cancel culture is restricted to like liberally minded people. But honestly, like conservatives cancel things all the time, like rock music and like in 2017 um, when Disney's live action Beauty and the Beast came out an Alabama drive in movie theater refused to show it because it had. It had been reported at that time that there would be a gay character in that film. And they said that they're Christians and they said that they don't want to show that film to their grandchildren. And so they're not going to show it at their theater. And like, mind you, at the time, they hadn't even seen the movie. The movie hadn't even come out. And also, LeFou is a horrifically homophobic gay stereotype. But also, he's only seen in the movie with a man for maybe like, 30 seconds at the very end of the movie so it's like in like the band book list the books that are on that list are on that list because typically they deal with things like uh sex or race or they are like anti-government in some way or another um or they're critiquing of the government which again are things that like a lot of conservatives have put these books on the band books on the band books list for and um, and what conservative states have put these books on the banned books list for. So it's like, we, um, I think any person of any like political belief does cancel things and they cancel things because it's like usually also like a personal choice of what you don't think the culture should be engaging in or be agreeing with. And I just want to make it very clear that like cancel culture is not restricted to just liberal people everyone cancel things because everyone wants to feel a sense of power over how their culture is being shaped exactly but um a lot of what we consider to be cancel culture unfolds in these digital spaces like twitter instagram um reddit all of these places um and i like we're saying before i don't think that's an indictment of the digital space in and of itself even if that space um even if its existence provides like that sense of agency that we're talking about. So uh, scholar Eve Ng published a 2020 article that chronicled the effects of both positive and um, negative like digital social spheres. So she says, cancel culture demonstrates how content circulation via digital platforms facilitates fast, large scale responses to acts deemed problematic, offering empower often empowering traditionally marginalized groups in the movement, but it also highlights the dearth of considered assessments and debate. Still, it is important not to let easy condemnations of social media overshadow what is going on elsewhere and qualitative accounts of more in-depth interactions. And so, like, um, yeah, and then she even goes further to say, like, the hashtag MeToo movement, with its mandate of exposing the scope of sexual harassment and assault, turbocharged cancel culture, even though, like, Harvey Weinstein himself didn't have like a social media presence or like a profile. Um, we do see like comedians and actors in that same position getting um, canceled in similar ways, like R. Kelly, James Franco, um, Louis C.K., and even Aziz Ansari. So 
yeah, it's like when we talk about, I think the Me Too movement is a good example of, it's a good example of this, specifically how, like, because we were able to see, like, the circulation of a hashtag go from its formation to, like, the, what it did online, and then it was even taken out of that, and I don't want to say it personified itself but there was definitely like a liberal push to like get the me too movement in the forefront in order to hold these people accountable for their actions because we were all working under the assumption that sexual assault in these fears is um rampant and like widely accepted Right, and, like, that's the thing. Like, oftentimes what cancel culture is is really just holding people accountable for their actions, like sexual assault, like racism, like homophobia, like transphobia. And I think people really get upset with cancel culture because they don't want to stop engaging in, like, the content from their favorite author or from their favorite actor or from their favorite director. Uh, what happens is that people form parasocial relationships with celebrities and characters. By definition, a parasocial interaction is a term coined by Horton and Wool in 1956 to refer to a kind of psychological relationship um, experienced by members of an audience in their mediated encounters with certain performers in the mass media, particularly on television. Regular viewers come to feel that they know familiar television personalities almost as friends. Parasocial relationships psychologically resemble those of face-to-face interaction, but they are, of course, mediated and one-sided. And this makes me think a lot about um, Bill Cosby and the Bill Cosby show, Bill Cosby and the Cosby show, um, because I know that there was a controversy when it was added back to Amazon and like people were able to stream the show and I chose not to stream the show because of what I had learned about Bill Cosby as like a person while the show was being recorded and so for a lot of people it is easier for them to sort of separate themselves from like the reality of like this person or um, celebrity with the vision of what they represent or like the, the character that they think they represent. Right. And like in that continued like in an article by like PBS.org, uh, they cite that they, uh, studies have found that these parasocial relationships can help people at ease particularly and it's particularly useful for those with like low self-esteem and it calms their feelings of social rejection the article goes on to say that a 2007 study three researchers three researchers found that that the more media people consumed the more likely they were to form parasocial relationships with characters they watch despite the fact that the participants didn't personally know or interact with, with the celebrities on tv but they were genuinely attached Viewers said they found comfort in the regularity of the relationships, which occurred in the form of weekly TV shows, daily newscasts, and recorded reruns that could be revisited at their leisure. When their favorite shows were canceled, they felt as though they had lost a relationship. And, you know, like, yes, these relationships can help with, like, self-esteem and with people's social anxieties. And I have, like, sympathy for people who genuinely feel bad about not being able to enjoy their favorite person's content anymore like 
Panic at the Disco was my favorite band for like a considerable portion of my life. You know, like their music comforted me and got me through like a lot of really hard parts of my adolescence. But like now knowing what I what I believe about Brendan Urie and about like the people who he employs, I can't in good conscience listen to their music anymore because every time I think about Brendan Urie I think that maybe he hurt someone in a really like serious and deep way and so I purged their music from my Spotify and I did that like really recently actually because like I just I just I couldn't I couldn't make it through you know and I think that's why people want to like scream out against cancel culture is because no one wants to admit this person who they probably do genuinely care about is not a good person but I also think that in that relationship in a personal relationship we have to admit that like we don't know that person because that person is inherently presenting to us who they think their best self is and who the person who they're presenting to us a person who they know that we're going to enjoy and that we're going to like and that's a completely different story from who they are and like I get it I have like I can name like five parasocial relationships that I'm sure that I have with different celebrities that I love, but also like I have to admit that those people are real people and that I don't know them. And if I find out something about them, I have to be willing to admit that like that is a person who has flaws and is going to do bad things and if they do really bad things like possibly Brenda Neary from Panic at the Disco and also really they say really icky things on the internet like JK Rowling like I just have to figure out what my line is and I have to be put my big girl pants on and not engage in that content anymore because it just doesn't make me feel good to do so yeah I no, I can definitely understand that. I was learning about mediated personas not too long ago, which I think it's just really funny that we ended up talking about this today. Um, but like everything you're saying, I definitely think is relatable on like a large scale, right? Because we spend a lot of time on our phones or like consuming digital content, we will at some point or in some way develop a relationship with the people that like, we are seeing on like this stage consistently on an everyday basis. Um, and I think it can be, depending on what that relationship does for you, I think it might be hard sometimes to sort of check back in and be like, oh, is this real? You know, why am I writing so hard for this person? You know, or like, I think we have to ask ourselves when our faves get canceled, why we're holding on so tightly um right right it's really just like i think we have to we have to admit that like our faves are people and they're bound to like mess up and i think we have to figure out like what is what is what is a forgivable mess up and what like is going to indict them and their morals as a person you know like i feel like all of those are things that we have to just think about when we think about cancel culture and what it does because also like largely it's an individual game it's a it's about like whatever your morals are and whatever your like 
line is, which is, I think, my takeaway for the entire discussion, um, like, leads really well into that. And I think it's that, like, we think that if someone is canceled that we have to, we all have to immediately stop engaging in their content, which, like, honestly isn't true. Like, here's the dealio. It is up to you as an individual what you can stand to deal with, right? Like, and you don't have to cancel something if you don't want to. Like, you have a choice about whether or not you are going to give that person money and engage in their content, engage in their content with what you know about them and what they have, and with the person they have presented themselves to you to be. Um, for most people, I um, I give them this example from my own personal life. So. My favorite book in the whole wide world is Moby Dick by Herman Melville. But Herman Melville is an ugly person. Like, Homeboy is super racist. And if we were ever living at the same time, he would definitely call me slur a slur. Like, I can think of like five slurs that this man would probably call me to my face. Um, But also, also, when I read Moby Dick for the first time, I was a severely depressed college freshman and then when I read it again I was a severely suicidal college sophomore and it comforted me when again I was also a severely suicidal college junior and I'm still an incredibly suicidal and depressed college senior and I'm thinking about rereading the book for a third time um like in the near future because like this book has comforted me when I feel really alone and it has given me like much to think about and I I don't know if you know me like personally I will talk to you about Moby Dick literally any day like I constantly have so many thoughts about this book always you know and I'm probably going to always read this book whenever I'm feeling sad or whenever I feel like I need comfort and I think that's what parasocial relationships to celebrities do for people which I think is part of the reason why it is so hard to let them go when when your fave does something kind of awful and gross, you know? But, like, again, her novel is a shitty person. And I still read Moby Dick um, because Moby Dick is my line. I think we all have to find our line, you know? And, like, I think that, like, Moby Dick is an important part of the English canon for that. For, and I'm going to continue to read it because I think it does something for me. And I think it is, like, you know, relevant in that way. But also, also like a lot of authors in the English canon are incredibly racist and I can tell you like and me and me and my English major friends still stand them um we're still like listen listen is this person shitty but did they go off when they wrote this yes like I feel the same way about Shakespeare like I'm like listen do I agree with everything that Shakespeare has ever written or said about women no but did he go off writing Midsummer? yes he did um and also also like Herman Melville died poor and alone, um, as any racist should. And he never, you know, really got recognition for Moby Dick and was seen as kind of largely mediocre in his time. And also, he isn't going to make any money from me buying Moby Dick in my free time. So, you know, you know, I feel, I don't really feel too bad about continuing to read it because I have my one copy that I got for class and I'm going to keep that one copy and it's going to be my jam until I find one of those pretty Barnes and Noble like illuminated copies and maybe I'll cop that. Um, but you know, it's just like, I'm a 
black and depressed college student and I too want to and I quote strike the son of it insulted me and I too constantly advocate for the destruction of capitalism and so I read Moby Dick and I love every word of it because Herman Melville is my line and I think everyone has to find their line but you have to be willing to stand in that decision with whatever it is that people are canceling that you think maybe shouldn't be canceled. Like you have to be willing to stand in that you are going to co-sign with this person's values and you have to be willing to understand that you possibly are going to have to defend your love of that person to other people. Like that is just what it is. You don't have to cancel things if you don't want to. You can still enjoy this content if you feel like it, but for the love of God, please enjoy that content with some like, critical understanding of media like please be willing to like accept that some things are wrong with the media that you, that you ensue that you consume i read bubby dick and i point out all the references to minstrelsy all the references to anti-blackness all the references to islamophobia and xenophobia that herman melville is was definitely like you know consumed it at the time that he wrote the book and that's my line i'm willing to talk about that i've written about it several times i talked to my friends about it when i talk about moby dick be you know like just think about what your line is and go forth in your life with that think other people canceling things is a personal decision you gotta put out whatever that, that decision is yeah no i definitely agree um and i think that was a pretty thoughtful way to sum up really all of the trends that we were talking about in the episode um I guess my takeaway really on like a couple of different levels one I think the the denotation like cancel culture as like a tag is kind of harmful because it equates the the trend of canceling things with a certain generation and we've already debunked that we know that that's not true we know that people have been canceling things and will continue to cancel things as long as they like align with their own agenda or align with um their own beliefs and i i think we like moving forward i think we have to like adopt that sort of mindset and be like oh well this younger generation of people aren't more sensitive they just have more space and more safety to be able to like address whatever it is that they're addressing um but like you're definitely right Aaliyah when it's like at the end of the day it is a very individual thing because we have to realize how insignificant a retweet is you know or how insignificant the hashtag is going to be at the end of the day like every famous person celebrity that we've mentioned in today's episode none of them are broke none of them have been like severely impacted by their quote canceling and if they were i mean i'm I'm just thinking of the people that were convicted but those people were rapists so like i don't know i I'm also trying to figure out where I stand on my line on certain sorts, <clears throat> trying to figure out my line on um, specific issues. I personally, like, if I can't rock with the artist for whatever reason, I won't listen to their music. And I know that that's not true for um, 
everybody you know that's just me I don't rock with Quentin Tarantino so I don't watch Tarantino's films you know that's just like an example <clears throat> so like I don't know I without being redundant really that's my takeaway that cancel culture doesn't start and end in the 21st century and it's going to come down to the individual and I think we have to recognize both the good things and the bad things that come out of social media. Yeah. You can't cancel people who are already rich. Just do your best. Critically examine your media and have a nice day. Really? That's what I'm saying. Like at the end of the day, we can cancel Jeffree Star as many times as we want to, but what's going to happen? It's going to put it on another video and be the number one trending video on YouTube and make all of the money, you know? So I and I'm, I don't want to test, I don't want to sound glib in that like people expressing agency is futile because there is no result. I don't think that's true. There has definitely been um, instances where like there are tangible results of this sort of culmination of um, trying to hold people accountable to their actions. But I don't think cancel culture is like this Gen Z like monster that. I think older people try to make it out to be. And that's a wrap for episode this week. Yasmin, where can our listeners find you? I'm at Yasmin underscore SA on Instagram. Aaliyah, where can our listeners find you? I am at it's Aaliyah Dorsey on Twitter and Instagram. As always, please follow at Black Girl Tea Party on Instagram and search Black Girl Tea Party on Facebook and at Black Girl Tea Time on Twitter to stay up to date with episodes and with updates from us. Also, please subscribe, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our show. You can also send us an email at blackgirlteaparty at gmail.com. Send us questions, ask for advice, or just tell us how much you love this show. We would love to hear from you. Remember to love often and with all your heart. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week. Our sources are all listed in the caption. Please love each other and yourselves, and we'll see you next week. Bye.